Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into here on a uh, Wednesday. Well, so uh, let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Jake Dicker and G. Hay Wiley. Um, didn't get a chance to catch up with you guys because I was at the College Football Playoff National Championship in Houston. Big win for Michigan over Washington. Um, Want to get your uh, both of your thoughts on the game, but also, um, you know, like as we look ahead, the future of Jim Harbaugh. I wrote a column just basically saying that Harbaugh did basically everything that he could possibly do at Michigan. And not only is it the right time to uh, go, just when you look at some of the jobs that are av- available to him in the, the National Football League, but also, um, you know, the college game has certainly changed a lot over the past few years. And uh, not only uh, did sanctions, um, you know, um, hurt him this season in terms of him having to be suspended for the last few games of the regular season. But I, I, I get the sense that that's only the tip of the iceberg. We'll see how this all plays out. But I think now's the right time for him to go. Uh, Jihei, I will start with you. Uh, thoughts on the game, but also the fu- future of one Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I'll just say this. I picked the wrong horse. Um, Michigan came to play, right? Like, they, they covered their gaps. They, their defense was was an issue. I think that I was personally having. I think both both sides, right? Michigan's defense, and this is just my personal opinion. What I was watching um, them throughout the season, so I was just concerned about Michigan D and uh, Washington C as well. But man, they proved me wrong. Right? They they really did prove me wrong. So um, Harbaugh, as far as like the coaching is concerned, yeah. I mean, you're right. Arashi hasn't really. You know, he's, he's done what he's got to do. The only thing next would be to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I, that would be the next kind of icing on the cake, I guess. Um, I do love the family aspect that, like, it's an all-sports family. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that family is very tight when it comes to sports. So, I um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what decision he makes. I hope he celebrates um, a little hard right now. Um, you know, kind of revel in it and joy. Um, especially considering last season, uh, how their season came to a close. But uh, yeah, I, I'm under, I'm understanding just from your article that points might possibly lead towards LA, towards being the Chargers coach, um, towards you know giving that more of a an ear than than he has in the past. You know, the point, yeah, the point that I made was that this hire is so significant for the Chargers franchise as they move into a brand new uh, $276 million practice facility. 
uh, right near us, GA, right there in the South Bay near the point. Um, and so, you know, a part of that new facility is that they'll be selling, you know, private club memberships where, you know, you can watch the team practice and maybe do a chalk talk with the coach. I mean, you're not really selling those if you're not bringing in a coach like a Jim Harbaugh. And beyond that, um, in Los Angeles, they already knew that they were competing against the Lakers and the Dodgers. But the Rams, um, you know, when they both moved here, the Rams were not a very good team. Jeff Fisher was their coach. They were, you know, consistently, you know, the, the joke was, you know, a, a seven and nine team. And now, like, even this season, where the Rams were supposed to be a, uh, you know, there was talk of them tanking. There was talk of them trying to get a, a top pick now that they finally had their first round pick. Well, they go on to win 10 games and they're playing eight, eight playoff game this weekend. So, I mean, the Chargers, I mean, this is such a significant from a franchise perspective. And also, if you're looking to sell the team at some point, and I'm not saying the Spipanos family is looking to sell, but you cannot be cheap with this hire. And I don't think that they will be. You know, when you look at how much they paid for Justin Herbert in terms of giving him at the time, Joe Burrow has surpassed him, but the largest per year contract for a quarterback in league history. I don't think they're going to go cheap here. I think they are going to bring in a coach who can lead them back to prominence. And um, again, we're talking about a franchise that has only been to the Super Bowl one time. They've never won the Super Bowl. That was all the way back in 1994. So uh, yeah, I I think Harbaugh is the coach that makes the most sense. Uh, Jake, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think everything just kind of lines up um, with Michigan winning the national title, um, you know, the Chargers looking for, um, you know, a big hire, as you said, you know, opening the new practice facility. And, and they, they moved to LA and the Rams in, you know, was it year four, year five, um, go out and win a Super Bowl? Like, I, I'm not calling yeah. the Chargers. I don't think there's, there's definitely not the same, you know, little brother relationship that there might be with the Lakers and the Clippers or stigma that there is with the Rams and the Chargers, but you don't want to get to that point, right? Yeah. Like, you, this is, they're in a position to make a big hire. Um, and yeah, as I want to echo what GA said, like he went to Harbaugh went to Michigan and did everything he could do, right? Played there in the eighties, went back to restore Michigan to glory. And he's done that. Um, got, got so close three times or twice before making the, you know, it was the third year in a row they had made the college football playoff, finally getting over that mountain this year. Um, I don't really see a reason for him to go back. Like what more can he do? Um, Especially, you know, he, in, in his one Super Bowl appearance when he was the head coach of the 49ers, fell short. It's kind of the one thing on his bucket list that he hasn't necessarily done from a professional standpoint. Um, think it would definitely make a lot of sense for him to make the jump to the NFL at this point. I know he hired a, um, an NFL agent, um, which definitely didn't put any of the rumors to rest. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think he's ready. I think Michigan, you know, this, this era of Michigan football, JJ McCarthy's going to make the move to the NFL. Blake Corum's going to make the move to the NFL. His guys and, and the work that he really put in there, they set out to do what they wanted to do. And I think him going out on top at Michigan, I mean, he's a Michigan legend regardless what yeah. would happen if he were to stay there after this point. But to go out on top, um, I definitely think w- would be his, his best move. And it's lining up, you know, to kind of work out that way. Yeah. And just to piggyback and add to what Jake is saying, it's like he's it, it's it like he's done. Like the, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say he's done, but he's done everything that, you know, he's hit that pinnacle. Right. And like there's no like, is there really anything again? Is there anything really for him to do? I, I think that maybe win back to back would be great, 
That, it is so, like, it is so but, hard to do, as Jake just yeah. touched on, like, you know, in, in the college game. I mean, all those guys that we saw, again, they all came back after they lost the Fiesta Bowl. And they said, hey, guys, like, like, like you know, that, that was obviously a tough way to close out the season. They obviously should have beaten TCU and how great. Uh, at least we would have had a half-decent championship game a year ago at SoFi Stadium. But, um, look, you know, what the problem is they had 45 seniors or something along those lines. I mean, all the stars that, that, that really helped this team win a, a championship, uh, they're gone. Uh, and again, that's sort of the, the, the college game, right? And there are some people who love it. And the problem with the game now, and I'd be curious to get your, uh, your thoughts on this is that, you know, it's, it's the transfer portal. It's, uh, pay for play essentially. Listen, we can kind of, Say it's not technically pay for play. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, nil. But you know uh, these teams and schools are helping these players get paid. So now that that's the case, it's like players are getting paid. Um, now now you have uh, schools going into you know Jim Harbaugh joked about it. You know schools entire conferences going into the transfer portal. I mean it's just a different game. And so if this was a if this was a sport that you loved five years ago as a coach, I don't know if it's the same. I mean, what one of the most disrupting things is I mean, guys transferring after the regular season before the bowl game. So I mean, Jake, I mean like you know, there the, there's this one <clears throat> fraction of uh, people who are saying, Hey, listen, you know, maybe he could try to be the next Nick Saban, that's hard to do. I mean, you know, like, like, what's your goal? Right. Win like six national championships. I mean, by the way, it took him a long time to win this one. I mean, he has been a very good coach at Michigan, but it, it, it's. I mean, he knows just as well as uh, as the, the majority of coaches out there. He's been coaching twenty years. This is his first championship. It is hard to win one. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I do think that if he did want to stay, there are very few schools in the country that with this new landscape are going to be competing for national championships year in and year out. I do think Michigan is one of those schools. Like Michigan's yeah. always recruited itself um, to an extent. And now, you know, the NIL backing and, and their boosters and the national championship, all that combined is just going to blow, you know, their resources, you know, through the roof. Um, but it, it is a different game, right? Like I, I remember when Urban Meyer was, was making the move and going to, you know, be the head coach of the Jaguars. And I said on Twitter, I don't think this is going to work out very well because there are certain guys mm. like Urban who can recruit like, like no other. But also when it comes to the college game, I mean, you are controlling what those kids eat. You're controlling their schedule. You, when their classes are, when they're going to practice, when they wake up. And Urban was very good at making sure, you know, I'm going to, you know, my guys are going to do X, Y, Z on this schedule and we're going to be successful. And it worked. Harbaugh, it's these these guys aren't necessarily like I, I know you're saying it's not pay for play, but it's becoming more and more of a professional league yeah. like, as a whole. Like, I mean, these kids, I say I call them kids. They're, I mean, they're making a ton of money. Their focus isn't the, isn't necessarily the classroom. I don't want to speak for everyone, but they're the the the. College football is more now than it ever has been just solely a stepping stone to get to the NFL. Yeah. And that's really all it's been. I think, you know, Harbaugh, I, I mean, I haven't spoken to him personally. I don't know exactly what his thoughts on, on the changing landscape um, of college football are. I'm sure, you know, you can touch on that. But it's definitely a different, like we're entering a new era and the guys who want to be there are going to be there and the guys who want to get out are going to get out. 
So, so we're going to see what happens with Harbaugh. But I do think that if he were to stay at Michigan, Michigan is one of those schools where he could build, you know, this next dynasty that we could see in college football. But I do think there's going to be a lot more parity amongst college football because kids are going all over the place, really just where they can play. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, we'll see. It's definitely, it's definitely a changing landscape. That's, you know, changing every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't agree more with, I couldn't agree more with Jake. And I want to just kind of hope, um, hammer it down a little bit more that it's not only is it going to be harder, you know, to maybe keep some of these kids due to NIL, due to the transfer portal, due due to, um, you know, money, whatever the case may be, you know, regulations, et cetera. But you have to also realize the big 10 is not going to be the big 10 anymore. It's a brand new conference next year. So like, you're going to get additional competition on top of all these guys that you're having to fight against as well to get to, this big dance um, and and do a do another championship run again. So I'm just, are you ready for that? Did you prepare for all of that? Is, is this something that you were like, you know what? After uh, I, I'm I'm not in his head, but these are the things that I would be thinking, right? I'd be thinking, um, have we prepared for next for next season? Like, yes, relish in the in the win, awesome, great. But every single coach, Belichick is one of them. He's probably one of the best on on this. Is like. I'm thinking about next year. I don't know what you guys are doing back celebrating, but I'm thinking about next year. So, like, is he thinking about next year and what's going to happen with the Big Ten next year? You know, I mean, with all these different conferences, the competition is going to be, it's going to go up multiple levels because you have other teams. Granted, they're coming from the West Coast, but a lot of these are coming from the West Coast, but they're still viable, obviously great, talented teams, and you're just going to have to compete against those guys too. And if COVID taught us anything, the NCAA and college basketball, baseball, bat, whatever, college sports in general, it's all about the almighty dollar. So, like, this is something that these kids are now, they're catching up to the NCAA. No. I'm, I'm not afraid to call out the NCAA on that. Like, it's always <laughs> been about the money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never, it's, at the end of the day, it's a television, like, Tony Kornheiser says it's a television show. Like, we're here, you know, as a TV show. Um, so to speak. So I just, it's always been about the money and now it's even more so with these kids and are they going to stay? Is there going to be that loyalty? Is there going to be that, you know, Hey, if you can get a kid to stay all four years, five years, God bless you. I think that's Mm -hmm. amazing. I think that's wonderful. I think it's going to be great for the game. We're seeing that more and more, but I don't know about in college basketball or college um, football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've I've thought about this a lot in the way that UCLA, SC, Washington, and Oregon joining the Pac-12 is going to affect recruiting. Because I feel like if this happened 10 years ago and you had a kid and UCLA is offering a full-ride scholarship and Michigan is offering a full-ride scholarship, I mean, you probably lean Michigan just from a football perspective. But na- nowadays, it's, it's, it's about the money, as Jihei is saying. I don't know, though. These kids from the West Coast are being recruited by, you know, whether it's a Michigan or Ohio State. Like, what's the incentive to go play at Washington or Oregon opposed to a school in the big, like a Michigan or Ohio State? Mm. Where you're going to have to go through those teams now, anyways, right? And the new college, uh, the college football playoff um, bracket, or however, whatever you want to call it, so much emphasis on winning your conference, right? You win your conference, you're in. So, what's the incentive for kids? I know now it's about money. It's about how much money they can get. X, Y, Z. 
But why go play at UCLA if you can go play at Michigan and you're going to have to go through them anyways, right? Like, I don't know if that's going to help these schools or it's going to hurt these schools because there's, le- I mean, they have a certain amount of money in their NIL pool and they have to dish it out to, you know, now kids from all over the country. Or if it's just going to help them from a perspective being like, hey, why would you go there and you have to go through us anyways? Yeah, I think as Harbaugh looks at what he wants to do, and I think he's already kind of made up his mind, you know, because this is unique. I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of general conversation about the state of college football and the state of college sports. I mean, he was personally affected by some of these rules. And again, we can d- debate to the extent of how much it helped them or what he knew and what he didn't know. But I mean, the fact that, you know, he got suspended um, for recruiting violation um, at, at one point, and he says it was for a cheeseburger, and then uh, he got suspended for the last three games of the regular season for a uh, a assistant buying tickets and sitting in the crowd with the general public and looking at the opposing sideline. Uh, again, this is not Spygate. Um Again, I, I don't, I don't want to diminish what happened, but, it, but you know, when you really look at it, I, I think he's looking at the not only like the general state of college football, but but saying like, do I want to be a part of this moving forward? And, and, and I don't think he does. And I think um, he's a very competitive person. I, I had a chance to talk to his dad, Jack. By the way, amazing. What a, what a guy! Incredible, yeah, incredible man. Sure. Um, he basically just said his son is the ultimate competitor and he's looking for the next challenge. And I think that's what he loves. Uh, cause one of the things we had talked about was just his journey and his career from university of San Diego, you know, small town, small time program, then to Stanford, then to the San Francisco 49ers, and then back to Michigan. Like at each turn, he took over a program that, that was in a really bad spot, um, and turned that thing around so fast and i think he's looking for that you know so yes there is the challenge of repeating but i think the bigger challenge for him is for example taking over a chargers team that has never won a super bowl that has only been to one in their entire history and saying okay like can i can i can i do this again and i think listen i mean i i love the bond between jim and john and you know john's going into the playoffs um has a one seed and they're favored to at least go back to the Super Bowl. And so I think a part of it is that, you know, Jim's been there. He lost to his brother. I'm sure, of course, he's very proud of his <laughs> brother. But, I mean, he wants to win that Super Bowl, um, too. So it'll be interesting. Um, I wanted to bring up one more coaching question because, again, you know, for the longest time, or at least since the firing of Josh McDaniels, there was this feeling that, okay, there's going to be a, a couple of teams in play here and two of the two of the teams that we cover in our region is the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. And I said, listen, the Raiders have a ton of money. Mark Davis has proven that he will spend on a big-time coach. Uh, The problem is Antonio Pierce finished the season at 5-4. and You know, I think it's good. It wasn't great. They didn't make the playoffs. But he was such a breath of fresh air that a lot of players and a lot of alumni, a lot of former players, if they give that man the uh, full-time job. G, I want to start with you first because I think we've talked about this before. I mean, the only thing that I would caution them is that this is a very critical hire for them as well. And uh, no disrespect to Antonio Pierce, but, you know, if you have the ability to, you know, maybe bring in a Jim uh, Harbaugh, maybe a Bill Belichick, maybe a Mike Frable. I mean, there's a good, I think this class of, 
coaches may, may be the best that we've seen available. Uh, GJ, your thoughts on Antonio Pierce being sort of the player's pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for him to get a chance. You know, it only takes one organization to believe in you and say, yes, you know, come to, come to us. I would love for that to happen for him. But selfishly, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'd love for him to be the deep sea for the G-Men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would love for that to happen. But, you know, if it doesn't and he becomes the head coach of the Raiders or any other organization, God bless him because he deserves it after going five and four and whooping our butts. Um, against the Raiders. I, I just, I think he deserves it. I'm, I'm all for the Homer pick. Yeah, cool. Real quick on what they should do. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if they decide that's the direction the direction they want to go, I think he's. I mean, they're in great hands. I know they're also looking at Ben Johnson, who's the defense, uh, offensive coordinator in Detroit, and um, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. Both who I think um, would be great hires. But, you know, if AP is the guy they go with, as I said before, the thing that they haven't had in a long time is consistency, and he has the locker room. And I think, you know, if you do that, opposed to going with a guy who is, you know, not in the building, maybe you got a little bit of an edge up or, you know, a step up going into next year. So, you know, they have they have a ton of great options. Yeah, I mean... Let's I, also I, look at how yeah. Dan Campbell did, how well... Sorry to interrupt, but let's also no. look how Dan Campbell did, and he is like a player... He is a yes. player's coach right there. Like, and his whole entire staff is all former players, all former athletes that have all been in this game and know what they're doing. So it can work in Detroit. It can work. It can work in Vegas. That is a great, great comparison. Again, I mean, if, if you got the trust of the players and Dan Campbell had that in Detroit and I think Antonio Pierce certainly has that. Let's leave it there for now. When uh, we come back, speaking to coaches, we'll talk about Darvin Ham, my man, and the Los Angeles Lakers. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 of Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Uh, all right, let's head back to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. Uh, and uh, joining us now for the Sporting Tribune, Jake Dicker and G. Hey Wiley. We were talking in the last segment about Jim Harbaugh, his future, what the Chargers are going to do, what the Raiders are going to do. Um, and now we have to kind of switch gears and talk about uh, – my favorite topic, uh, Hay always teases me about that, but I, I, I'm really fascinated by what the Lakers are going to uh, do. Uh, they had a nice win over the Clippers, but, you know, listen, I, I think a victory here or there is not going to solve the bigger 
problem with this team. And now, like, the leaks have begun. Um, and now we're hearing that, you know, different, uh, player representatives are contacting Rob Palenka and the front office are not happy with rotations and playing time and things like that. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. I mean, is, is there a way to salvage this season? without making a drastic move. And I wait, when I say a drastic move, I guess that could be one of two things. That The big one would be making a coaching change, but the other one would be doing something similar to what they did uh, Super Bowl weekend or around the trade deadline a year ago, which was, you know, really just kind of flipping the team around. And again, that worked for them. And I guess my, I don't want to say my concern is, but when, when that works once, you, you think that that's a regular thing, and it's certainly not. Uh, do, do, do they have to do something drastic to have a chance to contend this season? Yeah, you, you make a really good point where I, I think Laker fans have this perception that because they, they you know, made some trades at the deadline last year, they can do the same thing this year and go on the same kind of run and get hot where – Everything had to work out right for them mm-hmm. last season, right? And, and it did. And, you know, eventually losing to Denver in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and that's kind of the thing I've heard is, oh, how are you going to fire Darvin Ham in year two? Made the Western Conference Finals in year one. Um, they, I mean, I don't know if they should have got there. And it's hard, it's hard for me to think that, that they can do the same thing again this year. I don't see them making a mid-season coaching change. I know I keep saying that I want them to, but I, I just don't see that happening. It's just not the type of organization that this is. Um, so I guess at that point it comes down to making a trade, right? And I know that I've, I've said that I don't know how, how open they should be to, you know, shelling out draft picks, but you make a good point. Like they have to capitalize on the, on the LeBron AD years. Um, so I think that that's probably what they're going to end up doing. They're going to make a trade, um, whether it's for a guy like Zach Levine, where they're going to have to eat a ton of money, um, and move in Austin Reeves. They probably don't want to move. Um, or I know, you know, DeJounte Murray's name has been thrown around. I don't necessarily know if they need another guy like that, like another absolute star. They need shooting. Seeing Malik Beasley lead the NBA in three point percentage is like the most frustrating thing in the world, given the way that he performed as a Laker last year. Um, but they just, they need guys that are going to play hard on the defensive end and run down the floor and give you what they can give you on the offensive end. Cause right now there aren't enough offensive threats. Like Jared Vanderbilt's a complete lab liability on the offensive end. So are, so is Max Christie. So is Jalen Hood Shafino. Um, you know, so is Christian Wood to an extent, but I think you need two or three guys that may not be the sexy name per se, because I don't think that a Zach Levine or DeJounte Murray moves the needle enough. Um, so can it be done? Yes. Will they try and do it? For sure. Will it work? Probably not. But they need to throw together. I mean, they need to win five of their next eight. They need to give themselves. I mean, they need to start winning games to give themselves a shot and put themselves in a position to where even even if it works out that it's enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. Quick quick question. Are they in like... Because no offense, Laker fans always say the sky is falling every single time that you guys barely make the playoffs, or you maybe make the play-in, or you know certain things. The sky is always falling with Laker fans. So I'm just wondering, is the sky really truly falling as far as this team is concerned? I I think it might be um, just because of those losing streaks that you guys have been on. But um, I'm just wondering your opinion on this. um, If the sky really is falling as far as 
playoff contention, as far as play-in contention, as far as maybe just for the longevity of the, well, of the franchise. Here, here's why this guy is, you know, falling in the big scheme of things is that uh, this was supposed to be the season where it wasn't as turbulent only because uh, they brought back the same crew that had an amazing run to, to the Western Conference Finals. And, and again, that was the big selling point is consistency, familiarity, building on what they did a year ago. Did they win it all last year? No. But did they got, did they got to the conference finals and there was this feeling of, shoot, I mean, we put this team together in March and all of a sudden we're one of the four best teams in the league. You know, what could happen if we had the entire summer in a preseason in a training camp and we came in and, to be honest, again, not not that they were the best team in the league during the first quarter, but they won this in season tournament. To what you, you know, again, we, we, we can debate what that means, but but literally, when it, when literally since they left Vegas, they've been on a tailspin, and it. This is why this guy is falling because something has to change. Again, if they went on a little bit of a losing streak, if they lost you know, two or three or four or five or six or seven. But, you know, th- th- this is a pretty big sample size. And now they're in danger of not even being in the play-in tournament. And so, uh, Jake, I mean, I-, I think it's fair to say you can criticize Lakers fans, but uh, the sky is falling indeed. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think all fans of teams who, you know, Lakers, Yankees, Dodgers, whatever, that have had, you know, lots of success in the past when things aren't going perfectly have a natural sense to overreact. I would I would 100% agree with you there. That being said, I'm going to, I mean, Arash nailed it on the head. This was the year that given, you know, the training camp in the off season um, and the run they went on last year, that this was supposed to be the year of, you know, a little bit more consistency and some, you know, not necessarily having to fight for a play-in spot and and being able to, you know, establish themselves as one of these top teams in the Western Conference. Um, and I think the main thing that people were talking about going into the year was if LeBron and AD can stay healthy, this is the year that, you know, late the Lakers should have. And they've they've both stayed healthy. They've been great. And the team has just completely imploded following the in-season tournament. Um, and it's not like, you know, they were, we were the one seed or the Lakers were the one seed and now they're the three or the four. I mean, they're now, if you look on the standings page, I saw a thing on Twitter that made me laugh. You have to hit the accept cookies button at the bottom That's of the screen to see the Lakers in the standings. Yeah. And it's, it's not, they're not winning a game here and then, you know, dropping two. They're, they're dropping four and then like winning one here and there. So I think if they can get back, you know, on a path where they don't have to necessarily be the one or the two seed going in, I mean, they won't be at this point. Um, they just need to get back. There's such a negative aura around this team right now that is coming from whether it's Darvin Ham or it's the D'Angelo Russell issues or it's just the losing streak in general. That I think at a certain point, once you get the monkey off your back, they'll be able to roll up, you know, rattle off three or four consecutive wins and it shouldn't surprise anybody because this team is incredibly talented. That being said, when you watch it, when you, you know, you turn the game on five minutes after tip and they're down 12 in the first quarter every night you know, you start to believe that this guy might indeed be falling. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to worry about the Grizzlies now that Jaws can be out for the year. But, uh, you know, that, again, I never thought that they would be pulling for the 10 seed. But, um, you know, that that 10 seed is going to be a battle between um, them and the Warriors and the Jazz. Uh, it's crazy that the Suns are in that, you know, conversation as well. But, um I really think that they have to do something, though, and I and I and I don't 
normally call for the coach to be fired. But if you believe, and I and I believe that they have the pieces in place to succeed. I think when you look at the guys that they had a year ago that helped them get to the conference finals, um, you know, I think something as simple and as drastic, but as simple as just making one big sweeping change and saying, listen, your guys' performance cost a good man his job and, um, you know, put in the guy that you think can be the next head coach, whether that's Phil Handy or someone else. I think that's the quickest pathway because when you get into these, you know, three team trades and, you know, and, and, and Jake, I mean, you followed Zach Levine's career. Like, like, I don't think he changes the direction of this team, right? No, I mean, I love Zach Levine. I can go pull my, my, <laughs> my Minnesota or Chicago Zach Levine jerseys out of my closet if you want me to. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's, he's the piece. I know he's another offensive, offensive option, but I don't, He's another guy who needs the ball in his hands, and I think adding another guy like that to this team is, is just going to create more problems than it solves. Um, I think you you have your ball handlers, you have you know your LeBron, you just a guy who can somewhat create for himself. Like I'm trying to think of a guy who in the league, and not necessarily a guy who's going to be traded, but just like a player comp for the type of guy that they need. Um, I don't know, it, it's it's not coming to me. But Levine, okay, so- I, I don't. What's that? So, no, so I was actually going to ask you because you brought up a really, really good point earlier on in this segment about defense, and I'm all about the D because I think that's all effort. That's something that, like, just can't be taught. I think that that's just something that you just have it or you don't. You're either going to be a scrapper or you're not going to be a scrapper. Some guys are, some guys aren't. I think it's a Who would you think? Like, I think it's absolutely being able to run up and down the floor and not, you know, miss your three on the end and then walk down four steps and then try and, you know, get down there and defend your guy who's beat you down there. Like, I think it all just comes down. I mean, it's all an effort thing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more about the effort part. I'm just wondering who would you put in those shoes for the Lakers and and then who would you drop? Perfect world. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now and I'm trying to find a team that's going to be willing to like the West. I, you're not going to pull from the West because the West is so wide open that even no. these teams at the bottom are, are not going to be willing to shell out any assets. And the teams that are at the bottom who are young aren't going to be shelling out their assets. So I think it comes down to some sort of Toronto, Atlanta, Charlotte deal. Um, Washington, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know who there solves that issue either. Um, I mean, you bring a guy in naturally, the young, I think, you know, Max Christie, Jalen Hutchifino, those guys are going to lose minutes. I think you could see, um, Cam Reddish's numbers or minutes definitely, you know, come down a little bit if they were to bring in these guys. I mean, it could be a buddy healed type of guy, you know, what, depending on how severe Tyrese Halliburton's injury is in Indiana, if they are kind of willing to move off of some guys, could be a guy like him. But they're going to have to get creative. Like, and, and, and we saw Rob do it last year. So I don't, I'm not going to put it past him, but it's, they're going to have to make the right move. And there aren't a ton of moves, I don't think, for them to pick from. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about this uh, game coming up on Sunday night. And I know we'll have plenty of time to talk about it these next two days, but <clears throat> the Rams and the Lions. And I was amazed that not, never before, in league history during the playoffs, have we've had two starting quarterbacks from up the previous team go head to head. And I'm, I was trying to think about it. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, when, when you, you look at, uh, Dafford going back to Detroit, Jared Goff going up against the Rams, again, both having great success at their previous teams. But 
it was really a win-win trade, you know? I mean, the, the, the Rams made that trade to win the Super Bowl. Goff did lead them to a Super Bowl, but they didn't win it. And so this was a trade where it's like, listen, Goff is a good quarterback, but he's not the Super Bowl winning quarterback that they need. They got Stafford. They won a Super Bowl. With Goff, for the first time since 93, again, this is something Stafford didn't do. He won a division. They're hosting this game. Um, so, Jake, I'll, I'll start with you and then get Jihei's thoughts. But, again, I think it's, you know, the reason that it's on Sunday night, it is the premium uh, game. I mean, just the storylines coming into this are fantastic. But just an amazing journey that the Rams have been on this season. Ten wins going into San Francisco to close out the season and win that game. Um, you know, regardless of how this one turns out, I think it's been a successful season. But, man, if they can find a way to win and continue this journey, it'd be amazing. Uh, your thoughts on this game, Jake? Yeah, I was. I saw the same thing you saw about the quarterbacks of opposite teams, and it surprised me as well. But then I thought about it, like, Usually when trades like this take place, the timelines for success for these teams don't usually add up. It's yeah. usually the team, you know, the team with the young stars a little bit further away. Um, you know, golf, they don't usually move. Usually a team like the Rams would see it through with golf and they kind of are just like ready to cut their losses, which I mean, has obviously worked out for both sides. I think the get in price for this game is like 550 bucks wow. through the roof. Amazing. But yeah, I mean, this is. This is, I mean, more storylines in, in an NFL playoff game than you could ask for, right? Like, you got Goff. I don't think Goff's ever been more voted, motivated for anything in his yeah, life. Yeah. Um, you know, but this team, this Rams team, no one expected them to be here, um, you know, two months ago, and they've completely turned it around post bye week, and they've just been a completely different team. And, and we said, I said on the show last week, the Rams needed to do everything they could to win the game against San Francisco and play Detroit opposed to playing you know, either Philly or Dallas. Um, and they didn't do it the way I expected them to, but they found a way. So they're going in there. And, and this is a team, this is a team that I know we just talked about is a completely different sport, but I feel like the Rams are a team that's built of a ton of, on a ton of these gritty guys that the Lakers need more of, right? Like these are guys who go in, take care of their business, are, you know, rookies who are playing so far, you know, ahead of their timeline that it does, I mean, it does concern me a little bit. That, that some of these guys, um, given the bright spot, spotlights of a road playoff game, especially one it's their first in however many years, it could get to them a little bit. Um, but the Rams, the Rams are probably going to be the most popular upset pick in Vegas this week, right? I would yeah, have to think. I the, think the so. Money's coming in there. They've been, you know, them and the Bills have kind of been talked to uh, or talked about as the teams that you don't want to see in the playoffs. So they're going to run the ball with Kyron Williams. Stafford is going to, to, you know, to find his spots, but Jared Goff in a dome or in warm weather is, is lethal. So add that with, with the motivation that he has playing the Rams, um, in the playoffs. And I, I mean, I think we're just in for a great Sunday night. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is a ratings dream. Yeah. A ratings dream for the, for what it's NBC has this game, correct? I'm assuming yeah, the assumption yeah, Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Um, yeah, the ratings dream, right? But um, I don't know. I, I want to say, like, the Rams have always had this chip on their shoulder, right? They've always had, especially coming in after last season, coming in with that abysmal <laughs> record that they had last year, wow. not even coming close to making the playoffs after winning a Super Bowl, right? So I think they're always playing, going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, I, they definitely do want. Um, I, I I personally think though that they would play whoever, right? Because 
playoffs are playoffs. But um, I think that this is a great, this is going to be great television. That's for sure. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to disappoint Rams fans. And I know my boyfriend's going to kill me because he's a diehard and he thinks that they're going to wipe the floor with Detroit. But I, I just, coaching is everything in the NFL. And if Dan Campbell has taught us anything, it's that he can win with golf. Hold up. Let me, let me ask you, because you've, you've been, uh, you were the first one to basically say that Goff has to go. Uh, this was like coming off of his Super Bowl, uh, year and you've been very critical and listen, rightfully so about Sean McVay's time clock management. You have to give uh, Sean McVay his flowers to some degree uh, with what he's done this season with this team. Absolutely. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not denying that he's done a great job with, the team this season. I'm just saying when him, him and Jared Goff's relationship, it's, it's nothing compared to him and Dan Campbell's relationship. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just saying like, that's when you see the coaching and you see that he can, he can make whatever adjustment needed to be made with Jared wasn't made in LA. So that, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that both of these guys suck and they're horrible coaches, but quite the contrary. Right. I mean, Look what you did the season before. Look what you're doing now. You know, nobody thought that you were going to be in um, in playoff contention, let alone, you know, what the position you're at right now, possibly, you know, maybe buying for a Super Bowl. So I, I will give McVay his flowers. That's not I'm not saying that he's terrible. I'm just saying that the relationship between the two is not the same. And yeah, it, of course. It, obviously, it's a better fit for him than than in L.A. as well. Um also, by the way, every game is an away game, so I, I'm not going to count the every, every game is a is an away game for the Rams. So I'm not going to count this out for the Rams <laughs> being being able to contend for uh, against against Detroit. I just see, man, just the way that Detroit plays. Like, talk about grit. And I'm not again not saying that the Rams aren't gritty, but man, talk about grit. Talk about like this is some old school football that yeah. they're playing. That Detroit's playing. It's just it's completely. It's just very. Old school, like I hate saying old school when I'm just talking about the '90s, but <laughs> old, like an old school vibe yeah. that uh, that they're giving off. So um, I don't want to root for Detroit. Sorry, all my friend friends that are from Michigan, yeah. um, but you know I, I definitely see them coming out with a W. Real quick, um, Jake. This weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, really quickly. I know I want. I you know Dan Campbell's done a great job with Jared Goff, but this is also Jared Goff was a 21 year old kid that showed up in LA, and now he's yeah. in year eight. I want to give Jared Goff, you know, I think his maturation process, you know, has been unbelievable. He's definitely a much different quarterback, you know, especially when it comes to decision making now than he was, you know, as a Ram. So as much as I want to give Dan Campbell his flowers, I want to give some credit to Jared Goff as well. Yeah. And he's definitely grown. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. He's definitely grown. I mean, he's, you know, but he, he's, he's obviously he's engaged now. He's, you know, yeah, he's, um, has, has multiple properties, but like he's, he still lives in LA. Everybody just want to shout that out. Um, he still has a place out here in Manhattan beach, but yes, he has grown. I'll give you that Jake. Yes. And, uh, do want to remind people that he did quarterback the Rams to the Super Bowl. They lost, but it does, it does quite an accomplishment. All right. Let's, um, listen, we're going to be talking about this game, uh, tomorrow and on Friday. It is something that we're both, uh, this entire crew is looking forward to. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi show on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio. Thank you for listening to believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.